Some folklorists believe that ghosts are a method for marginalized people to regain their power over society after death. With their stories being retold through the centuries, countless people hear the haunting tales of, me of memories and take life lessons from them. Some of these grow into their own apparitions, known as gray ladies, women whose tales are full of sorrow, grief, and loss, and that their spirits continue to haunt their chosen locations. Tonight is a tale of two Midwestern gray ladies, the gray lady of Willard Library in Evansville, Indiana, and the Gray Lady of Camp Chase Cemetery in Columbus, Ohio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Hometown Haunts podcast. I'm your host, Kat Cloco, and along with me on this exploration into the unknown are my friends, Jen Kohler and Christina Wald. Stay up to date with our show by following us at Cincy Cabinet of Curiosities on Instagram and join our Facebook group, Hometown Haunts, please. And of course, we're dying to hear your personal encounters with the paranormal and fringe history from your neck of the woods. Send it to hometownhauntedmail at gmail.com or join and share it on our Facebook group, Hometown Haunts. And of course, you can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and watch the show feed on YouTube. Hello. Just find us by searching Hometown Haunts on podcast on all these different platforms. And please take a moment to rate and review us on those platforms so other spooky lovers like yourself can find the show. Links are in the show notes. And let's see, we got some show announcements. Um, my post-apocalyptic monster comic is still going strong. <laughs> Yay. Um, so that's Spiritus Maximus, and it's on Webtoon, online Webtoon. You can read it for free. It updates every Friday. And also, thank you, everyone, who came out to our Hometown Haunt Spooktacular on uh, last Saturday, on October 28th, the Lane Library. That was a really fun event. How many people came? Because I only could see from my webcam, and I only basically saw the first five people in front. So, Jen and, and Christina, how many people showed up? I think well, I heard the number 45, but I'm not sure if that's she, correct. She had capped the number. She had capped it at 50 people and it sold out. Mm -hmm. There was a, they, they didn't have to, pay to go though, but uh, yeah. So 45 was probably about right. It was yeah. pretty Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yay. Thank you everyone yeah. who came really out great. and saw us. It was yeah. a nice evening of ghost stories. And it was. Them, a lot of them. It was interesting because only a few listened to the podcast, didn't they? Or at least raised their hands. Well, more than def definitely more than the last e event. Listened. Yeah, but I yeah. think they'll be listening now. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hello, if you're new. Yes. Hello. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, there's plenty fun. to catch up on. We have 90 other episodes. So that you can... <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Got a lot of history to go through. Well, it's funny because they kept saying, well, have you done this? It's like, yeah, that was... <laughs> Yeah. We need yeah. to have like, you know, it'd be interesting to have to um, put somewhere like on the website or something would be like an index. Yeah, that's one of my to do lists for like long, long planning. I mean, you have so much spare time. I mean, you oh, yeah, so much spare time right now. Should we get a um, have a wiki page? Yeah, we should. We should probably. Oh, do that's a, a great page. idea. Yeah. Like, I think Jen would be great at doing a wiki page. 
Yes. Oh, great. Yeah. And I think Christine and I have achieved enough in life to actually have wiki profiles. Yes. Yes. I have not. Jen, you, you are included now because you're part of Hometown Haunts. Oh, and you've okay. done this for three years now. So you should also have a wiki page. Low self-esteem. Self Sorry. You know, it's interesting. <laughs> I, I've read some stuff about Wikipedia pages and they said that very few women get them. Really? No, Do they have to wrong. be approved? Um, well, so to get a Wikipedia page, you have to have enough articles written about you to prove that you're not... What's the word that to pr prove that you deserve to have a page written about? Yeah. And yeah. Um, they said that for some reason, like female scientists, female fill in the blank, mm -hmm. do not get the pages approved. So what happens? They were never written about. Well, no, it's not even that. It's a self-editing system. And it's been very hard to get women approved for it. Um, mm. It's much more easy. It's just the typical story. There's a couple articles about it. Okay. Um, but I think that if you have enough sources that you can be. And so what happens is I guess you put a page up and then the danger is they don't think the person's significant enough. And then they recommend to have it taken down. So you no. have to have, I think, several sources. And it's also not cool for you to write your own page. Like it has to be gotcha. written by someone else. So which which from what I've understood, a lot of them are wrong. Right. Oh, yeah. Um and like you can't even change really your like, own information if it's no, wrong, like the birthday's wrong or something. You no, know, it's funny because I'm on a couple other uh Wikipedia pages for games I did artwork for. Mm -hmm. And so like I'm on Wikipedia, which Ooh. is which is the Star Wars one. And I remember they had something wrong and somebody asked me about you know something when I was and, and I said something was wrong on the page. He's like, Oh, I'll fix it. And so he fixed it. So oh. <laughs> That's Does fun, it make though. you feel weird though having something like that on the internet? Um, no. Okay. But yeah, it's it's part of being in the 21st century. Yeah. Especially when you make media. You uh, know what? When you true. become a crone, it really doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. You know, I always used to I'm not really that concerned. Working with the paper, I always like you will absolutely not put my photo in the paper. People do not need to recognize me. Well, you right. know, it's funny because and here I am now. <laughs> you know that 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 famous uh, uh, movie horror movie. Since you know tomorrow's Halloween when we're recording, you know that famous movie Hostel takes place in Bratislava. Oh, yeah. We were joking because we went to Bratislava in two thousand eight, and I said, "Oh, that's where Hostel takes place. That's we have to worry about being kidnapped." But we weren't young and cute, so I mean, <laughs> you know, once you get to be middle aged, very rarely are those shows about someone really old getting you know tortured and kidnapped and stuff like once you're over 40 they're like no we don't yeah. we're not that interested in you. that's why no, they call they it torture. cast as the instigator yes yeah. yes they yeah, should exactly. go for older people but they'd be easier to catch maybe don't give them ideas I'm sorry. i mean i can't run to save my life and that's why saying the zombie of pop apocalypse it'd be perfectly fine to be bitten and become a zombie. Well, that'd be fine. It's been great knowing you, Jen. I love you. I love you. And too. when the, your no. zombie comes after me, I won't eat you. You okay. can kill me, though. Sure. If you want to put a thing through my head, sure. What I will be mad. Weird. 
Well, you know, things are a little weird. It's the night before Halloween, so there's going to be yeah. a lot of ghost stories. And after the announcements, I hear you have a ghost story, Kat, which I'm yes. trying to hear. So let's finish the announcements. Okay, so we, we got one more announcement. Cool story. Which is March 2nd, 2024. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Excited. I inhaled too quickly. Uh, this is the second annual Frogman Festival in Loveland, Ohio. And you can find more information about that at frogmanfestival.org. I know friend of the show, James Willis, is going to be another much-anticipated speaker there. So, all right. So, spooky story. I, I teased Jen and Christina with our spooky story that happened last night, um, or I guess technically really early today. So, um, getting ready for bed, you know, you get in bed, you turn off all the lights, you've made sure all the doors are locked and everything. And we are, of course, in a new house. And so, um, Bigfoot and I, we're waiting in bed. Mike and I are in bed trying to fall asleep. Well, blew out everyone's ears there. And suddenly we hear somebody running down the hallway towards the kitchen. Like the little feet going, like running down. Now we have a carpeted hallway, but it was just a very distinct, it was little dude who had gotten out of the room and run down the kitchen for whatever reason. Because sometimes he wakes up and does stuff like that. So Mike gets up and checks it out. Little dude's still asleep. No! So, it was distinctly no. a small child, roughly his age, running down the hallway. And... Uh, <laughs> but it uh, wasn't him. And it wasn't him. And uh, so... There's a few options that it could be. It could have been a child spirit or just like a, um, a residual haunting like we talked about actually during the show on Saturday. But we've never encountered it before. And um, ironically, that day, so we may have been, I won't say I was primed to it, but Mike may have been slightly primed to it. The gentleman who fixed or installed our water heater joked about the house being haunted. And I was just like, that'd be great. And uh, Mike was just like, no, I would not enjoy that. The fact that Mike experienced it at the exact same time I did, and the two of us looked at each other and went, what was that? Is quite significant because I love Mike. He's our, he's our cynic to the paranormal. He doesn't believe any of it. And for him to go, well, that was weird, is quite an achievement. So something something we don't know what it was ran down our hallway last night. So do you think something was just waiting to make its presence known? Or I haven't picked up on anybody or anything, which is kind of amazing. I've never lived in such a quiet house. So I don't I'm, have we're an attic, do you? We do have an attic, but it's only about six inches Okay, so, so someone couldn't be climbing up in there and living in there without you knowing and no. coming out at night. Mm -hmm. okay. okay. Yeah. There's no place for them to go. And it wasn't the puppy dogs because they were it all was, with you. All three of them were accounted for and we tripped over them trying to figure out what it was. So. <laughs> did they hear it? Wow. No, they were all sound asleep and did not move. So I'll let you know if we hear any more phantom footsteps in the house. That, that has to be the scary. That would give me such goosebumps. No. Mm -mm. Nope, the two of us just rolled over to one another and was like, what was that? My so, sister-in-law has heard footsteps at our house before when she was feeding the cats, but mm -hmm. we've never heard them. Yeah. Wow. 
That's Can you go to that You've website? That before. I still find that really interesting. Sorry, go to Jennifer. that website and look up to see if anyone died in your house. Because if there was a child death in your house when it was a... No? I don't know. But um, I, I will look it up. I don't need to do the website because okay. I'm a researcher. Well, that's true. But Sorry. It's all right. <laughs> but yeah, it it's... I don't know. It's somebody could have died outside the house and just really oh, loved true. being here. So it was back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do know that we did buy it from an estate. So the previous owners both have passed away, but I, I haven't heard anything from them. So hmm. it was, it was interesting. They would not be shuffling. They, they would be shuffling down the hallway. They wouldn't be running. Well, that's true. Unless they wanted to manifest as a child, if they were living there and happiest there at that time in their life. Right. No, they didn't live here at that time. Ah, but okay. It's a it's an option. I know there were kids here at some point. So mm -hmm. um because this house is a few decades old, it's not a new house. So um I don't know how many owners had this house before we bought it though. I tried mm -hmm. looking at the extensive property and the the county doesn't keep records digitally from that far back. Aww. So uh yeah, it's a that's one thing Hamilton County does have is that they have digital digitized all those property records. So you can see the handwritten little deed notices. Like when I was yeah. looking at the Essex building in Oakley earlier this year, I could, they looked like little library cards that they had just yeah. taken a photograph and thrown into the uh, system. Man, I would totally be down for a job like that because just to be able to have that information so re readily available, it would also help people with like genealogy research and stuff like mm -hmm. that it would make it yeah. much easier. Yeah. Well, go to the Hamilton County Auditor website, see gotcha. if there's open. Yeah. Cause that's where that is at. So anyway, mm -hmm. I'll let you know if there's any more um, phantom feet, mm -mm. phantom footsteps. Mm -mm. Yeah. So, okay. So, my part of tonight's show is the Gray Lady of Willard Library in Evansville, Indiana. And the sources for this portion of tonight's show is Weird Indiana, the Willard Library, who is very happy to talk about their ghost, Wish TV, Fox 59, and the Evansville Courier and Press newspaper. So, established in 1885 by philanthropist William Carpenter, or Willard Carpenter, the Willard Library has stood at the corner of Division and First Avenue for over 125 years. Endowed as a library by Carpenter for the use of the people of all classes and sexes free of charge forever, the Will Willard Library was designed by James, Mer and James and Merritt Reed in the Victorian Gothic style. It has remained not only the oldest public library building in the state of Indiana, but also the only privately owned library. But architecture is not the only thing that makes the Willard Library stand out. It is also home to a phantom librarian and the ghost cam set up to see her. This is the story, of course, of the Grey Lady of Willard Library. Her presence in the library was first felt in 1937, reportedly by the custodian of the building. At the time, the custodian worked late into the night around 10 p.m. when he would take a break and return at 3 a.m. and fire up the basement furnace for the day. It was on one of these cold winter nights in 1937 when the custodian returned to his work at the library to start the furnace when a shadowy figure in the furnace room greeted him. 
Bewildered and thinking the figure was a transient who had broken in to get warm, he shined the flashlight at the figure, who turned out to be an old woman wearing older gray clothes, was wrapped in a gray shawl, and as the custodian looked into the looked at her he watched at in terror as this old woman looked at him and melted into the inky darkness of the room that was the first experience the custodian had with the gray lady he would then run into her several more times around the library's basement before quitting his job <laughs> this poor guy like i could only imagine trying to do your daily work and then just running into this old woman with a shawl who's just scowling at you and then just fades into the inky darkness like talk about jump scares man just yeah she yeah. liked him apparently get she out really of my library <laughs> it yeah. kind of reminded me of the the ghostbusters librarian from the yeah. beginning of the movie yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah well, maybe that's where they got the idea she's been around for a while yeah and they really the the library celebrates her oh really awesome great. so continuing before the renovation a special collections librarian had an encounter with the gray lady in the basement bathroom according to the librarian when she entered the bathroom she locked the bathroom door and entered the toilet stall while in the stall she heard both sink faucets turn on and the runner the water running when she exited the stall she turned off the faucets but noticed that she was alone in the bathroom and that the door remained locked on the inside so there was no one there to turn on the faucets and it it, it creeped her out a lot in the 1980s the building was renovated and the old furnace room was transformed into a junction of hallways in the basement according to the former children's librarian margaret mayer the gray lady followed her home and stayed there while the building was being renovated. Mayer had uh, the most experiences with the gray lady since, and since the renovation, the gray lady had been seen crossing the main staircase to the second floor in the employee lounge and in the children's library section in the renovated basement, especially the story pit. I, I love the name of that location, the story pit. Something I did not know was that renowned psychic medium Lorraine Warren and her paranormal investigating husband, Ed, visited the library in October of 1985. They happened to be in Evansville as guest speakers at the University of Southern Indiana the week after the library celebrated its 100th anniversary. Curious about the Grey Lady and hearing about the stories from the university while visiting there, the Warrens toured the building. According to an Evan Evansville Courier and Press article from October 17, 1985, the Warrens did not detect anything paranormal in the main building until they reached the basement children's reading area, the story pit. Lauren or Lorraine felt the gray lady's presence was strongest there and fell into a trance. From her vision in the trance, Lorraine described the gray lady as a neat woman who was in her mid-40s with long dark hair tied back. She was rather tall, standing at five foot eight, and wore a dress or a skirt that hit mid-calf and a shawl wrapped around her shoulders. Contrary to the legend that the Grey Lady wore a veil, she said that the ghost's head was bare. Lorraine also mentioned that the Grey Lady had no connection to the library besides it was a place where she used to walk, and she could see no trees or homes in her vision from the ghost, which correlated with how Evansville looked in the early 1800s. Lorraine also noted that the Grey Lady was not happy and tended to stay in that area at the library. 
on the haunting, Lorraine commented, it is the type of haunting that you will continue to see. Before Lorraine Warren had her vision, it was widely believed that William Carpenter's daughter, Louise Carpenter, was the true identity of the Grey Lady. Her portrait hangs on the first floor above the copy machine. One story provided by the library says that one time, two young ghost hunters came to visit the library to seek out the Grey Lady. Upon seeing the portrait of Louise, one commented that she wasn't very attractive. Later, that same ghost hunter said she felt unsettled during the rest of her visit, possibly because she insulted Louise. Yes, that is why you felt uncomfortable. That was me and uncalled for. So, the staff and librarians all have their own theories as to who the Grey Lady could be. So, really, no one knows who she is. She is just someone bopping around this library, but... She's so common that they put up webcams. So here are some of the unexplained encounters. And this is all from the library's own website. The Bayard Room, which is the top floor. After motion detectors were installed in the library, the police were frequently called to the property for alarms being set off. This was a very common thing to happen in haunted locations. Police officers would canvass the property, but never found a cause for the alarms. One night, Mr. Baker, the library's director, was awakened by a call from the alarm company. When he arrived at the library, he already found a patrol car waiting for him with two officers. Mr. Baker let one officer in to canvas the building while the second waited outside in case anyone ran out of the building so they could catch him. Failing to find anyone inside or a reason for the alarms to go off, Baker and the first officer returned outside to meet with the second officer. Did you catch them? Asked the second officer stationed outside. While Baker and the first officer were checking the building, the second one stationed outside could see a man and woman standing in the tower's windows. Baker then suggested that the officer had seen the gray lady and apparently an additional male ghost. And the officer, the second one, had never heard of the story of the gray lady and was just com completely flabbergasted. In Special Collections, which is also on the top floor, Chief Meteorologist of WFIE, Jeff Lyons, was in the library early one morning, presumably, presumably for interviews, and Lyons asked if they could set up a ghostly shot. For I'm going to assume a live shot during the extremely early morning news. As a librarian said they would not set up a stage, stage paranormal activity, several books slid off a shelf. So, great timing there. The Grey Lady has a sense of humor, I think. Very good timing with things. Main floor. The Grey Lady has never been witnessed on this first floor, but there have been many unexplained phenomena accounted to her on there. Staff have noticed that this, there is a smell of perfume, usually lilac or lavender, that moves around the floor without a source. The sound of someone walking on wooden floorboards has also been reported when no one is there, and of course, books falling off of shelves and, unexpl and unexplained sounds. Librarians report that these occurrences have happened when no patrons were inside the building and, and the librarians were all accounted for. I think the gray lady doesn't like books sometimes. It's like a cat, she keeps pushing them off shelves. So the main floor elevator, however, has some interesting activity. Another former custodian, got into the elevator and pushed the button to go down to the basement, but nothing happened. 
Again, he pushed the button and again, nothing happened. Frustrated, he blurted out, I want to go down. And then the door shut and he proceeded on his way. And then a different year, a newly hired library assistant introduced herself to the gray lady, but requested that the ghost not scare her and to find non-scary ways to make herself known. Shortly after, the elevator door opened, but no one exited it. Walking over to the elevator, thinking it was a patron that needed help, the library assistant noticed that the call light, that button, was pushed and lit, which only happens if somebody's actually standing there to push it. The library assistant took this as a sign from the gray lady that she was welcoming her to the staff. And of course, there's the basement. The basement houses the children's book collections, archives, reading room, and the Browning Gallery. Certainly, the lady, or yeah, sorry. Certainly, the lady with the best connection with to the gray lady was former children's librarian Margaret Mayer. She worked at the library for over 50 years until her death in 1989. Mayer reported glimpsing the gray lady when she first started working at the library in, in the 1950s. Her description of the gray lady was that she was a woman dressed in a long skirt and blouse with a gray shawl wrapped around her shoulders. Mayer had seen the ghost standing among the bookshelves. Sometimes she would see the gray lady in, a, in the adjacent staff area, all in the basement. As soon as the gray lady would be seen by her, she would disappear. Mayor also heard disembodied footsteps and had objects disappear from her desk and reappear in random and strange areas around the collections. The gray lady has always been a gentle ghost who seems to love to call the library home. For years, the librarians have had no problem talking about their resident ghost to children who asked. However, that nearly ended after a kindergarten class visit visited and the story of the gray lady was told about 30 years ago. An irritated parent reported the, to the library the next day that their child had nightmares after that. The head librarian, not mayor, instructed that all talk about the gray lady would cease immediately and that if someone asked about her to deflect. A few days later, a patron asked the assistant children's librarian about the gray lady, to which the assistant librarian replied, if she was here, she's not anymore. Immediately, a book called Betsy's Wedding fell off the shelf towards the ladies. The takeaway is that the Willard Library very much loves their resident specter. This is a, there are ghost tours, including this year, of the library, and tours can be are free but the library does accept donations, which I say donate to all your local libraries as much as you can. Famous, famously, there were six webcams, actually they're still there, uh, installed in 1999 that show live feed, which you can find at, and watch live at willardghost.com. They also have a TikTok feed on Facebook and Instagram and also on YouTube where they have good tours of the Willard Library. Link to all those will be in the show notes because they're rather long. So that is the beloved Willard Library and its resident gray lady ghost. I love her. Yes, I love her too. She sounds cool. Yes. <laughs> she sounds feisty. Very. And sassy. Yeah. I like She's it. Sassy. She's a sassy ghost. You will not tell me I'm not real. I am here. <laughs> and yes. I will let you know it. Yes. This, this is one of the first ghost stories from Indiana that I learned about. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I think it was 
Oh, I forget who the author was. Chris Woodyard is the one that does Ohio and Mark, and I can't remember his last name, is the prolific writer for Indiana. And uh, they're both folklorists that have written quite a lot. Um, a lot of their stories are gathered from the late 80s through the 90s. And it was one of those books, I think it was Haunted Indiana, mm -hmm. where I learned about the Gray Lady and Ruler Library. Oh, cool. So, yeah, it's... It, and I think, I know there's an episode of Ghost Hunters from um, the Sci-Fi Channel where they went to the Willard Library. And oh boy, was I so proud as a Hoosier girl to see something from Indiana be featured yeah. on a nationwide TV show. Did you, have you ever been to the library? I have, I never made it to Evansville mm -hmm. to go to the okay. library. It's one of those things. Um, the Willard Library and Central State are two very notoriously haunted places in Indiana that I've wanted to go to. Mm -hmm. Never made it to. And now Central State is in pieces. So I can't go there now. But Willard Library is still there. So please support it. Um, it's a fantastic building. Just from what I've seen of it. Yeah. yeah. I've only driven through Evansville on my way to Illinois or St. Mm -hmm. Louis or Kansas City or yeah. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Next time stop at the Willard. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. I'm going to look it up when we're done. Please. Because I want to, I want to see her. You can she watch webcams. There's been lots of spooky footage from the webcams. Okay. Okay. Um, there's a few of just mysterious shadows just showing up in the stacks. Oh. So it's uh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So just like the joke I was making, though, on, on Saturday night, the webcams, especially the really early ones, are not of the sharpest image. That makes <laughs> it cooler. <laughs> Nor do they refresh quickly. So it's the really early ones, especially as things have been compressed through time, mm -hmm. it's kind of that laughably, of course the film that you're watching is fuzzy and not in focus in a low bit rate. So <laughs> I'm just like, Oh, Willard library. You, you, it was, I remember hearing about those webcams and going, wow, that's so like tech savvy of them. And then now you look through the footage and you're like, wow, we, we dealt with really, we used our imaginations when looking at video for a very long time. Yeah. That's all we had, though, then. Mm -hmm. So it's easy to go look back and go, oh, my gosh, that was awful. But at the time, it wasn't. No, it was great at yeah. the time. Yeah. yeah. It we're, seems we're like a lot scary. of it seems like a lot of libraries have ghosts. I don't know if it's because mm -hmm. like in the case of the, the one we went to in Clifton, where it used to be a, a rather famous person's house mm -hmm. and it had a lot uh, this you know, and I don't know how old this library, how old was the library with the gray lady? Oh, the Willard is yeah. 1885. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So all of these have a lot of history to them. Yeah. Oh, Although yeah. they were saying when we were at the Lane Library that the their branch in Hamilton is supposed to be quite haunted. And they said we Ooh. might want to even do an investigation one day. That'd be nice. Mm -hmm. That'd be go do that. Yeah. Take yes. Katie with you. <laughs> Katie, would you like to go with us? You can answer us later in Messenger after you listen. You can make two knocks on the wall. So, yeah, um, that was a ghost hunting joke. That <laughs> failed. 
maybe I'll get a text from her right now. We'll see if she's like, if she's thinking of us. Yeah. I know um, my parents' hometown of Ashtabula has a haunted library as well because they really did find a body underneath when they were renovating it. I've told this story on the show before. I know I have. Yes. But, um, so I won't retell it now. It's up to you, listener, to find which show out of 92 of them I have told the story. It was one of the early was it the was it the was it the body snatching one? It was one of the earlier ones. I don't remember. That's for our Wikipedia page. Who again when we start doing the hometown haunts wiki, it'll be on there. So if I if I start this am I allowed to start this page since I'm a part of it? Of course. Yeah. But I uh have to go back and listen to every single one because to be honest, I haven't listened to any of them because I can't stand the sound of my voice in my ears. Oh. Okay. I listened to them. Yeah. All right. So, Jed, I'm tell us your weird. story. Okay. My great lady is not as interesting, I guess. She's we definitely interesting. Well, we definitely know who she is and who she was. So, mm-hmm. okay. That's, yeah. Okay, go. This is a gray lady of Camp Chase Cemetery in Columbus, Ohio. It was established in 1961 as a training camp. Don't know 1961? Nope. <laughs> I don't know what year. That's a typo. So I'm, I'm going to assume 1861. Probably. Can we? Yes. Thank you. Because it was the Civil War, people. Yeah. So sorry. Um, it's all right. It's just <laughs> I'm just imagining everyone in their Civil War outfits, and then people in the '60s with like the tie dye and the fringe, walking around staring at them. And <laughs> the, it's just weird animated. Hey, they they say time is irrelevant. Yeah, that's true. Okay, eighteen. I think eighteen sixty one, but it was definitely the eighteen hundreds. Um, it was a training camp for Union. Union Army soldiers. It was named after former Ohio governor and President Lincoln's Secretary of the Treasury, Salmon P. Chase. Eventually, the camp became known as a Confederacy prisoner of war camp and at one point held 8,000 prisoners, both soldiers and civilians loyal to the Southern cause. In the camp's 100, uh, they were lo- it, the camp has 160 buildings, and that's where everybody stayed, I guess. Approximately 2,000 Confederate soldiers died at Camp Chase. Conditions were harsh and unsanitary. Disease was was a common occurrence. The Union soldiers cared more for new Union recruitments than the prisoners. A small um, a smallpox outbreak in the winter of 1863 to 1864 killed around 500 men in one month. Uh, the prisoners who died at the camp were buried. were first buried at various Columbus City cemeteries until 1863 when Camp Chase was established, when they established a cemetery on its own. They buried, uh, those buried around the city were reinterred at the new cemetery, some of which included 31 Confederate soldiers who were buried at Camp Denison, which was a medical post and military recruiting and training camp in Cincinnati. It's located uh, just outside Indian Hill in Sims Township, which is a suburb of Cincinnati, if you don't know. 
And those, those soldiers were interred after the war ended. Uh, the cemetery had fallen into disrepair after the government purchased the land in 1879. Uh, Union veteran Colonel William H. Noss became involved and helped raise money from both Union and Confederate soldiers for the upkeep of the cemetery. And in 1904, money was allocated by Congress for the maintenance of the cemetery. In 1973, and that is correct, it was placed on the National Register of Historical Places. Got that one right. Yay. Union soldiers and local residents are also buried in the, in the cemetery, so it's not just the Confederate soldiers. Mm-hmm. Um, one particular grave, uh, number 233, is very popular. The grave of Benjamin F. Allen, who served with the Company D of the 50th Tennessee Inventory. It is said that a lady in gray or the gray lady visits Allen's grave frequently to place fresh, freshly picked flowers. Local lore says the lady in gray is the ghost of Louisiana Ransburg Briggs from New, from New Madrid, Missouri. In 1864, at 12 years old, she was sent to Columbus to live with relatives after Union soldiers captured, captured her Mississippi River plantation. She hated to leave her home state and having grown up with slaves, thought it disgraceful to do common chores. However, Louisiana didn't know how to brush her own hair. She had always had someone to do it for her. When President Lincoln was assassinated, she rejoiced his death and nearly started a riot at her Ohio Wesleyan school, which at the time was an all-girls school separate from the university. Some, sh- some say she apparently was engaged to Alan, but there isn't any evidence that the two knew each other. However, at age 17 and after the war ended, Louisiana married Joseph Briggs, who was a Franklin County politician and landowner. When she discovered uh, the Camp Chase Cemetery, she frequent- frequently visited to pay her respects to the fall- fallen soldiers by leaving flowers on their graves. She would dress in a gray gown with a veil to hide her identity uh, to protect her husband's reputation. At age 100, on February 26, 1950, Louisiana died. She, quote, and this is from a Columbus Dispatch article from 2010. She persuaded a niece to smuggle some brandy into her room at Mount Carmel, Carmel Hospital and choked on it. It is said that she still visits the cemetery and is seen most often at the grave of Benjamin Allen. Occasionally, she is also seen at the unnourished soldier's grave and at times is just her crying in the vicinity of Allen's grave. And then I have, um, I'm going to read verbatim from, this is from the Seeking Ghost blogs blog on blogspot.com. And it was a post by Virginia Lambkin from 2015. And this is... Um, a guy recounting seeing, seeing her when he was a young boy. Uh, Frederick Freddie Jones is one of the many who attends the memorial, memorial service regularly. Uh, the cemetery holds services to honor the soldiers on um, a regular occurrence. He travels to Ohio in June for his pizza business in, in Houston, Texas. He believes in the gray lady, for as a boy growing up in Columbus, he saw her. At the age of 14, he and several other boys were invited to a sleepover just a few blocks from Camp Chase. 
He and the rest of the group had heard stories about the gray lady. Late that night, they snuck out and rode their bikes to the cemetery. The gate was locked, so they climbed over the fence. Freddie remembers that the tombstones glowed in the dark and that he was overwhelmed with an eerie feeling as the group searched for Benjamin Allen's grave. When they found it, there were no flowers on it. Disappointed and sleepy, the group moved to leave, but they stopped when they heard what sounded like someone crying inside the cemetery. It was loud, choking sobs. They spotted a figure shrouded in the darkness moving through the tombstones. It was a female, and she carried a bouquet of flowers. Freddie remembers that every inch of her body was covered in clothes with a high collar and long pleated skirts. She drew close enough that he saw glistening tears on her cheeks. He watched as she floated instead of walked and was surprised he felt no fear. Then she floated right through two trees. She bent, bent down at one grave and was mouthing words the boys could not hear. It appeared she was praying. She placed the bouquet on top of the tombstone tombstone and then turned and floated back the way she had come. She passed right through the iron fence that surrounded the cemetery and faded away. None of the boys have ever forgotten this amazing sight. Their friendship was cemented that night because they shared this experience. Freddie specifically states he will never forget the wrenching sounds of the gray lady's sobs. And that's it. Wow. That sounds like a story from the Sandlot. <laughs> but yeah it's well uh, yeah yeah i yeah, mean it's it's quite detailed it but, is a very know. detailed story it it sounds like um like i said it sounds like a sound lot also one of the <laughs> uh, story is a motif that teenagers tend to follow this mm -hmm. the daring to go into the cemetery type stories mm -hmm. black uh agnes black agnes is like that okay. out in washington dc but um yeah, the, the Grey Lady of Camp Chase is just a famous um, residual haunting, which mm -hmm. is what they describe to a T what a yeah. residual haunting is, yeah. where it's a playback of just the memory of this person doing this. Yeah. She was a lady of her times, that's for sure. Oh, yes. Yeah. And choking, what was it, choking on whiskey? <laughs> yes. I was oh. thinking she sounded a little bit like... Not Andy. someone you'd really like to hang around with. She seems like she had a tood. Well, yes. yeah. Maybe if you weren't her family. Okay, I forgot to name my sources again. It was the Pennsylvania Rambler.com mm -hmm. uh, Wikipedia about Camp Denison. The Columbus Dispatch um, and the September 2015 Great Lady of Camp Chase by Virginia Lampkin, which I just read from Six Ghosts. Blocks okay. And that were not zombies that you just heard scratching at the door. Those were my dogs. <laughs> Let me in, Mother. Yeah. We understood. I need pets. I'm just saying that for our listeners who are like, what's scratching in cat's door? And it's, just it's say it's dog. a ghost. That's much more interesting. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. It's a it it's a it's a ghost. Yes. <laughs> I mean, and there's no other explanation really. None, none whatsoever. <laughs> the howling Don't that try you to hear. find a logical explanation horrible. for this one. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I back to the the cemetery there going in there at night. I I know I think I've said this before, but my brother, when he was young and in the Boy Scouts, they at Spring Grove Cemetery. So they're you know the big huge back of it is is not used yet. Right. So the Boy Scouts would go camping back there so they could do all their badges and do their stuff, and they snuck out 
when they shouldn't have and walked around mm-hmm. the cemetery. <laughs> he didn't Ooh, see any, been, yeah. Um, he didn't see anything though, but he did like to freak them. They freak each other out, of course, just of course by being there at night. Only naturally but, would you do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And we have a hometown haunt today. Yay! And. Should I go ahead and start it? Yes, please do the honors of reading it. And this is kind of a, this is one of the earlier ones that we got that I found we hadn't used it yet. So, okay. And of course, we're always trying to fill our, what do you say, our backlog of, of haunts for shows. So if you Mm -hmm. have one, please send it to us. A lot of people in our two events on the 14th and 28th told us so many interesting stories and please send those in because we would love to share them with everyone. Yes. Yes. This one is from Diana, and she says, I was walking in a creek near our home with my daughter, as I had many times before, but this time I had an overwhelming forced thought that Native Americans had lived here, and I wondered if I could see any sign of it. At that very moment, my daughter plunged her hand into two feet of water, having not been picking up anything before, and not knowing why, she came up with an arrowhead. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Yes. Um, you know, and it, it, I mean, the whole area of Ohio is former native lands. So. Oh, yeah. There's, there's a lot of yeah. relics all over. What is it that I know the, the two ladies from, um, oh, good. Oh, goodness. I know it's been said that there, there's, um, no coincidences. So, yes. yes. But yeah. this is definitely one of those moments where it's serendipitous mm-hmm. or kismet that you had that thought and then the daughter found an arrowhead, like a legit one, not mm-hmm. those ones from the souvenir shop. Yeah, I have one of those from the souvenir shop. It, it's a necklace I got mm-hmm. on a train ride to Springfield, Missouri, which I think was the, no, Illinois, Illinois. It was Illinois. Because that's where Lincoln was from. It was the same route he took when he was on his funeral thing, I think. This was in sixth grade, so it's been a minute. But it makes me wonder what that arrowhead was used for. And why she had such a strong feeling to get it. She said they walked there every day, and then suddenly she felt this overwhelming feeling. Mm -hmm. And perhaps something awakened Mm-hmm. when they walk through there that day to say i'm yep. here yeah, the right vibrations at the right time yeah i do wonder what it's made out of so mm-hmm. if diana could write in and just say what it is that'd be cool because yeah. what, what does you know, what does that mat mean like what it's made of like if it's is it does it matter what kind of ore it is it there's some theories that different types of materials can hide uh hold vibrations for different amounts of time Um, and I know sandstone or sorry, limestone gets used a lot uh, in buildings. And, uh, this is all just uh, word of mouth. I've never known of any scientific studies to have actually noted this, but a lot of limestone and sandstone buildings tend to be haunted. Hmm. So there's also the thought that water, since they found it Mm -hmm. in water, um, that also seems to be kind of a barrier for some spirits in some different cultures so mm-hmm. not a barrier but like like play, 
trying to figure out how to phrase this correctly. So like if there's like underground springs or something that are in under buildings, those buildings tend to also have a lot of activity. Bellbrook in Ohio is a good example of a mineral spring and Bellbrook is an extremely haunted town. So I don't know. There's a lot going on, but this is a great story. Thank you, Diana, for submitting it. Thank you. I wish there were a way you could, Again, this is my wishful thinking, um, trying to know everything in the world that you could research it and find out what happens with that particular arrowhead. But it's not like there's library catalog of them. Yes. They're all, <laughs> yeah. And they're all handmade. And without doing some good archaeology on it and test, it would be very difficult Yeah, to see what... This is starting to sound a little CSI, like being able to test for what kind of material is on it and what it's made out of the stroke patterns of um, how it was made and with what it was made with a lot of that. What was that? What? Was that your chair? Yeah, my chair makes it. It needs, it needs to be oiled. <laughs> It was. It was. I keep telling. Uh, I keep telling. Yeah, it's like a. Plans. It's like a. It's like a creek. But let's. Maybe we should just say it's a ghost. Yeah, sure. It's a ghost. I, I don't know what it was. I think it was something paranormal. Something but it, so but paranormal. my yeah, my chair's got like a really squeaky. It doesn't want to hear about stroke patterns. No, it doesn't. No. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of different ways that anthropologists would look in and paleontologists would look at that particular artifact mm-hmm. to figure out who made it around what time mm. that's and it a takes lot. time and money it takes a lot of time it takes a lot of money it isn't yeah. fast and nope. uh yeah wasn't that a george harrison song <laughs> sure sure i don't know <laughs> my i heard the song recently i have my mind set on you and he says one of the lines is it's going to take a whole lot of money and i'm that was george harrison i didn't know that. i thought that was pink floyd Nope, I got mm. my mind set on you. Yeah, I oh. hear it in my head. I got my okay. mind set. Yeah, that was George Harrison. You. Oh, oh didn't yeah. know that. Mm-hmm. But, so it, but one, of the, one of the refrains <laughs> says it's going to take a lot of time and money. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. That came out in the eighties, didn't it? Um, I believe it did. Eighties yeah. or early nineties, somewhere okay. around then. Well, he was probably, he was probably we are a song about, about George Harrison. Thanks to your <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, it was probably in reference to handmade films because they're spending so much money on making movies at the time. So maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then. Yay. This was another interesting episode full of gray ladies. Yes. Um, Yes. Someday we all hope to become some. Some uh, of us are further along than others. That's true. I'm going to be a a sassy one. Hmm? I'll be a sassy one in the library or something. That sounds yeah. like a, that sounds very good. That sounds like you, Jen. Yeah, yeah, the sassy gray lady, uh, knocking books off shelves, and yes. you know, it sounds like the ghost's a cat. I mean, honestly, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. don't think it's a human ghost that would <laughs> knock books off the shelves like that. It's like some sort of cat ghost. As a matter of fact, our cats knock everything off our desk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'd probably yeah. knock over an entire shelf. I think that would be funny. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. That was a little bit of an evil laugh right there. <laughs> On that note, <laughs> on that note, thank you everyone for joining us for another 
wonderful episode of the Hometown Haunts podcast, yes. you can follow us at Cincy Cabinet of Curiosities on Instagram. And also, please send in your own ghost stories, paranormal stories, fringe history from your neck of the woods. That can be sent to hometownhauntedmail at gmail.com. For myself, Jen, and Christina, happy Halloween. Stay happy safe. Happy Halloween. Stay happy. Good night. Good night. Bye-bye.